You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. What it do, boys? How are we doing? We're doing good today. No Noah here. We are unchained, untethered, and chaos is about to happen. You are on the line listening to ESPN. 1067 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. We got a lot to talk about today, but we want to hear from you guys. Call in 334-321-1390. I'll give it to you one more time. 334-321-1390. Save that contact in your phone. Make it a hotkey. Call us in. Save the contact. Come talk to us. We want to hear everything you have to say. Lance. How, yes, you doing? How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Today is a great day. I thought, you know, after uh, last night's terrible thunderstorms, we were going to have a little bit of rainy day today, but it's sunny. It's perfect outside. The weather, weather is beautiful, and it's perfect to uh, talk about a little sports for a little bit. Man, I, I, when I went to bed last night, and it was storming outside, yeah, tornado warnings, watches all across where we are here in Auburn. And I'm thinking, I'm coming to work tomorrow, and it's going to be just a monsoon. It's going to be nasty. I'm not going to want to get it out of bed. And then I looked out the window and said, oh, it's uh, it's really pretty outside. 68 and sunny. I'll take it. I'll take it anytime, any day. We got a lot to talk about. Lots of Auburn news coming on. We got Justin Ferguson coming up in this hour as well. Noah's not here today. If you haven't noticed, he's too busy going to go enjoy that weather. He's going to go call a baseball game, and man. Does that boy love some baseball? He's too busy being cool, hanging out with the Lee Scott boys, getting to call some baseball games for them. It's a lot of fun, actually. I've been able to do it with him a couple of times. Really awesome whenever the weather is good. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. I would love to be sitting outside, but I do love sitting in this chair talking with you. So let's get going with this. A lot of Auburn football news. Last night, you got to hear, or yesterday afternoon, whatever you want to call it, you got to hear some comments from some of the players. Also, one of the big things I thought was a big takeaway, open practice. There's going to be an open practice. Is this Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, right? Open practice. Does that mean anything to you? How do you feel about that? Yeah, so open practice this Saturday at 11 a.m. Fans are encouraged to come attend practice. I believe it starts at 1130. The gates open at 11. Whenever I first saw this, my mind immediately went to, I don't think I've ever seen this in college. And then I realized, wait, we haven't seen this since Tuberville. This is something that Auburn fans are definitely not used to, at least the younger ones are. We never saw it in the Malzahn area because we know how closeted of a coach Malzahn was. He kept everything very close to his chest, wouldn't let anybody know what was going on with the offense or the defense or the scheming or what players were playing what, if players were healthy or not. Harson just, I, I think he's trying to win over the fan base a little bit, saying, hey, look, this is something that the previous regime didn't do. This is something that I'm going to do. So that you can kind of get a little bit closer to this program, interact with with the coaches and with the players, and, and feel connected. And I I think that's a great idea as a first year coach in the SEC is trying to to establish a connection with your fan base. This is a great way to do that. I'm really excited about this. I think this is a fantastic idea, great tactic. I think this is really good, really good stuff from Brian Harson. 
And if I was not board opping this Saturday for another incredible baseball game, I would be heading to it as well. Really excited for what happens this Saturday. Look, for, for all extents purposes, Brian Harson's a smart guy. Yes. From a lot of the things he said, you can tell that there's probably a little bit of, you know, trying to win over some of the Auburn, you know, fan base. This is big. For me personally, I don't care. I'm not I'm not gonna get up and go to practice on a Saturday. I'll watch clips if there are clips or whatnot. I'll you know, I'll go listen to Justin Ferguson and Josh Vital or whoever's there reporting on it, Nathan King, whichever one of those guys are down there reporting it. I will go down there and, you know, I'll read what they said, what happened, but I'm not gonna get up and go see it myself. But that doesn't detract from the fact that this is a big thing because you think about it, there are a lot of young Auburn fans who, you know, maybe their parents either can't take them to a game, whether it be for scheduling conflicts or maybe they just don't want to spend the money to take the entire family out to a game because, you know, football games get expensive, especially when you have kids and you're having to feed said kids when you're there. Everybody knows that sporting events, the food and the concessions, they're going to be a little expensive. This is a good chance for them to come out and watch practice and cultivate that young mind, that young Auburn fan that is just budding and it can grow into a beautiful fan an older fan from just you know coming again to watch practice but from the you know more professional side of things it's transparent you get to see what's going on i and you know granted i'm a little bit older than you are and even i don't remember ever seeing that i mean it was from the tuberville days but i was young during that tenure with at least when they were doing open practices at that time this is a big thing it's a big deal for Auburn to be able to go in there, go see some open practices. I'm not sure what the limitations will be. I know that uh, people are asked to social distance while they're there. I don't know what that's going, going to entail, at least in terms of that dynamic. But yeah, it's it's big. It's huge. I think Brian Harson knows what he's doing by doing this. I think he's like, hey, let's. Uh, the the previous head coach was very very tight knit, like you said. He kept everything close to his chest. And it seems like Brian Harson right now is just sitting there going, yeah, let's do it the opposite. Let's let everybody see what's going on. Yeah, I agree. I think this is, a, a this again, fantastic move. And like you said, this is for not only the young fans, but this is for the hardcore fans that are really invested in this program. This is for some of the media to kind of get to see in person, okay, what's really going on in practice. Uh, I feel like we're going to get a lot out of this. I feel like we're going to get, like you said, guys like Josh Vitale and Justin Ferguson are obviously going to be there reporting on this, kind of getting getting some professional eyes on this so that we can report to some of the fan base, okay, this is what's going on in practice. Because we didn't really get, again, we didn't really get to do that with Malzahn. Uh, so again, one more time, fantastic, fantastic thing for Brian Harson to be transparent and for him to open up this to the Auburn fan base. I think it's fantastic. I, I love this from a, a me and Noah perspective because we've been sitting here trying to do the depth chart series, trying to figure out where everybody's lining up going into A-Day. Now we get a little bit of a sneak peek. I'm hoping that we can kind of see where some of these guys are lining up and you know guys that are in my head like a J.J. Pegues. Where does he fit in this offense? Maybe I can see where he's lining up or where he's in, not the depth chart, but the pecking order at practice, as Brian Harson likes to call it. But yeah, you know, open practice this Saturday is going to be big. Yesterday... We got some comments from some of the players, Bo Nix, Owen Papo, as well as Nick Brahms. Bo Nix found himself in a little bit of hot water with uh, one of his comments. And I got to say, I'll defend him on this one. His heart was in the right place. I understand what he was trying to say. He just, he worded it very poorly and it didn't come out 
quite right. Do you have any takeaways from anything like that? Yeah, or like you said, I feel like his mind was in the right place. I feel like he definitely had good intentions in his statement. It's just I don't feel like he necessarily worded it the way I would have worded it. Again, it's not. It's there's there's nothing bad about the statement itself. It's just I feel like I would have worded it maybe just a little bit differently. Obviously, it kind of rubs some people's skin the wrong way. Mm. Me personally, I didn't find anything offensive from it. I was okay with it. Uh, I like Bo Nix as a person. I like him as a quarterback. I'm not a Bo Nix hater. Uh, I will def- again, like you, I'll yeah. defend him and say there was there was nothing there was no bad intention behind the no. statement. And I feel like everybody should just be take it for what it was and, and move on from it. It was it was not a bad statement. It was all right. People seem to forget how young this guy is. I mean, he's well, he's going into his junior year, which means he's what nineteen or twenty. I don't know when his birthday right. is, so he's going to be in that nineteen to twenty range. And for those of you who didn't catch that qu- catch the quote, Bo Nix did say on handling criticism one thing that always sticks out to me is even going to the cross jesus had people talking bad about him so if they were talking about him then they're going to consistently talk bad about me that's for sure i get where he's saying he's coming to say that you know if people were talking bad about jesus everybody else is going to get talked bad about as well the way it was worded and structured seems like he was like i mean I'm, I'm a little bit above Jesus. At least that's how some people took it. You got to remember that you are in the South. That is what people call the Bible Belt of this country. And people are going to react a little bit of irrationally. They're going to they're going to react emotionally to this because this is something that hits close home to a lot of people around here. Again, I don't think he didn't mean anything by that at all. It was just it, it didn't mean anything. He He just worded what he was trying to say poorly. He was just trying to say, look. If Jesus is getting criticism, I'm going to get criticism because that's how that works. I don't think he meant anything bad by that whatsoever. It was just one of those things that ended up kind of getting misconstrued a little bit. But he did have some other good things to say. He also talked about the change coming in terms of, you know, he he talked about some of the change going with the offense coming in with the offensive schemes and how, it's, been, it's going to be changed. Change is always good sometimes. Uh, I expect that we're going to see Bo Nix under center for the first time in his life. We're going to see, or first time in his uh, college career, we might see him under center more than what we saw him under Gus Malzahn, and that's just common knowledge. So he's talking about that as well. But yeah, a couple good comments there. And um, oh, we got a phone call coming in. We got someone on the line right now. Didn't quite catch your name, man. Who is it? And welcome to the show. Uh, hello, this is me. Uh, my name is Ed. Uh, I really appreciate y'all taking my, my call. And, uh, What's on your mind today, Ed? Hello? What's going on, Ed? Can hello? you hear us now? I think we can hear you. We had a little bit of a bad connection there. What's on your mind today, Ed? Uh, uh, okay. Uh, oh, well, first thing, now, let me tell you. Uh, first thing, I think that Bo Nitz will be and our best option, I think he will be the quarterback at Auburn this year. I think he's a good kid. I think he comes from a good family. You, you know, I, I think he, I just, you know, there's no hate. I'm not a bow hater. Uh, but, you know, he did kind of, you know, just say it kind of like putting himself there. And I can compare myself to, you know, my teammates or something, but when you compare what he's went through with, you know, to down on the cross, it, you know, I'm not, it just, it doesn't matter about the Bible belt. And the thing about that is he grew up in a Christian uh, uh, 
world. And and so he knows how, you know, he knows that that wasn't the thing to say. But that's, that, that's not that important to me. I agree with y'all. That's not that important. He shouldn't have said it. It was poor choice. But, you know, but to say he's young, now that's, that's kind of silly on your part. That's making up excuses. This guy's a junior now. He, he has been preparing for college football since he was a, a freshman in high school. And so that's that's really kind of silly on y'all to be making that kind of excuse. He's not a freshman, and he's from this area. He knew. He should have known. But I, I, I fully hope he does great. I, I love what is going on at Auburn right now. Uh, and as far as the guys that are leaving, like in, in basketball, Jamal, and I, I really hated to lose uh, just JP, you know, but – you know, I, I, I'm really not sure what's going on there. I, I love Bruce Pearl, and I, I, I really have faith. But it was a, this has been a rough year for basketball. But Warrior guys, I, I, I didn't call to complain. I'm just saying, you know, let's you know, let's be realistic about Bo Nix was about the uh, the tenth best quarterback in the SEC last year. Okay, so hopefully we can get him back on track. And Warrior and I appreciate you guys taking my call. Thank you so much, Ed, for calling. Uh, the number to call, 334-321-1390, if you want to give your thoughts on the, the Bo Nick situation or, or anything uh, sports-related. Thank you so much for calling, Ed. And, and, and yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I think what Levi was trying to say there was that, you know, these are still college kids. And again, I agree with you. Bo Nick should have really thought about what he was saying before he said it. But again, these are these are college kids. I feel like it's really, really difficult for the media to bash these guys because, you know, they regardless of age, you know, they're still they're still college kids. They're still young. So I will give Bo Nix the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he was he had any bad intentions behind that statement, but I do agree with you. He is an adult and he should have he should have considered what he was saying before he 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 made that statement. Again, nothing wrong with the statement, but I, I do agree with you there, and I do agree. I feel like Auburn is going to get Nick's back on track. He's a good kid, comes from a good family. He's obviously a talented athlete. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I also want to take into consideration we should be we should give Nick's a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I agree with everything that was said as well. The only thing that I have to you know retort on that, I don't think is quite as much as making excuses rather than and if it, that's how it convey, if that's how I seem like I was convey it, conveying it, then I apologize because I wasn't really trying to use that as an excuse. I was trying to put that as a reason behind saying something like that. A difference between making an excuse and maybe just, you know, putting a reason as to why something like this would happen. It's like, yeah, he's a little bit younger. Every now and then you're going to slip up. Should he have had a little bit more self-awareness? Yes. That's definitely something that should have happened. But, again, these are some young kids. Every now and then they'll slip up. But, yes, you're right. He he has been groomed, you know, for this position for a long time. He is a good kid. And he met, he meant incredibly well. This is a nothing comment that some people might take out of context and mess with it. But, yeah, this is a good kid. He meant really well with what he was saying right here. And I do agree. I think this kid is talented. I think he's going to have a great year this year. We've talked about it all the time because he's coming in with Mike Bobo. And I think Bobo and Harson are going to get him back on track. And also, a lot of the other SEC quarterbacks have left. So you got to think about that, that he's already coming in as one of the more experienced guys along with Matt Corral and Basilak out in Missouri. So, again, that's just one of those things that it kind of got a little bit misconstrued, which is it's okay. And I, I do agree with Ed. you got to give him 
you, I mean, you give him the benefit of the doubt, but also you need to help. You're going to hold him to a higher standard because he has been in the media a lot more than a, a typical average college he has a platform. Kid. He has a platform, so he does need to be cognizant of that. But he didn't do anything wrong. He just made a slip up, and you know everybody does that. I do that. We're going to go to commercial break real quick. When we come back on the other side, we are going to talk about some either Auburn basketball, Auburn football. Haven't quite decided. We're going to talk Auburn basketball, but. We got a lot of football stuff to unpack. We might just keep going with that. We'll see you on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. No Noah today. He's got to call some Lee Scott baseball on AU100, 100.3 FM. First pitch is going to be at 3.30. Lee Scott taking on Springwood. Go find Noah on that call and listen to that baseball game. We want to hear from you. You can go ahead and call in at 334-321-1390. 334-321-1390. You're listening to On the Line on ESPN 106.7 Fox 98.3. And speaking of On the Line, we got Terry from Talladega on the line, you know, calling back to us again. Terry, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing good. Good to hear from you again. Good to talk to y'all as well. Um, I didn't catch uh, first the show, and then you had a caller talking about uh, what was talking about the the open practice or something like that. Yeah, so this Saturday they are going to be having an open practice at eleven thirty, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to be open to the media, to the public, uh, social distancing, you know, recommended for people coming in. I guess it's a first come first serve type of deal for who gets in and watches well, the practice. What, what was the caller talking about? Something about a player or something? Some comments? You guys were talking about a player. Oh, yeah, so, uh, Bo, so Bo Nix made some comments yesterday that kind of got him in a little bit of hot water. We kind of took that as nothing. He just worded it wrong. He w- worded it a little bit poorly that some people kind of uh, misconstrued. He said, one thing that always sticks out to me is even going to the cross. Jesus had people talking bad about him. So if they were talking bad about him, then they're going to consistently talk bad about me. That's for sure. Obviously, he was just trying to say that if people are talking bad about Jesus as, you know, a kid in Bo Nix who is, you know, comes from a religious household, he's just saying if people are going to talk about Jesus, they're going to talk about all of us. But some people took it as Bo Nix putting himself above Jesus, which, you know, around this area and people who are of faith don't really take kindly to that. But again, I think it was just something that it was just worded a little wrong and people were making something out of nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm not a Bo Nix supporter, but but hey, that's that's ridiculous. That's a little over the top and absolutely uncalled for. Um, I don't think Bo Nick's that kind of person. I just think he's a very arrogant young man. Um, that I do that I do believe. And, guys, I happen to know a little bit more about his recruitment out of Pinson Valley than the average person. And while I won't use the word illegal, I will certainly use the word immoral. So uh, I just I just don't think Auburn's ever going to be in more than a seven or eight win team with Bo Nix. Um, he just, I mean, I, yesterday in the, the comments, I heard a lot of me's. I didn't hear any we's. And that's fair, and that's fair to think that you, you want a little bit more wheeze out of your quarterback position. I, that's understood. That's understandable. That's supposed to be the leader of that team. Yeah, I just, I just, and I, I, I can agree with the offensive line being horrible last year and him having to run for his life. But he always scrambles to his right. And if you, and if you, and the defensive coordinators, defensive players in the Southeastern Conference are just too smart for that. They're going to figure that out. You know. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of guys have one great year and then a subpar year. You know, that's happened a lot. Um, because defensive guys and coaches and players figure figure things out. And and I just think he's been figured out. And I think he's too – look, look, guys, I think he was just absolutely off the chain in high school. 
But I think he's largely a part of Auburn because his last name is a Knicks. And that's fair to think I, that. There's a lot of people who do think that. I mean, I just don't I don't think Auburn can ever be successful. But I will say this. he, uh, The backup quarterbacks, the other quarterbacks have a shot, a much better shot with Brian Harson than they did with Gus Malzahn because Gus promised him a job to come there. And that's fair. And I think that uh, you've seen from Brian Harson so far that he is a guy who has pretty much said, hey, everything's kind of open right now. He has been impressed with Bo Nix's leadership during the winter workouts and whatnot. And I still believe that Bo Nix is the guy that should be taking the start week one this year. But that's yet to be seen. I, I think I personally think that Bobo is going to get a lot out of Nix. I could be wrong and I'll sit there and eat crow if I am. But I do believe that Bobo's at least going to get more than what we've seen out of him. Something I will well, say, Terry, this. real quick, is that I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying about Knicks. I agree with what you're saying about him being subpar because that's kind of what we've seen. And whenever Knicks won nine games in 2019, well, he was kind of boosted by that really good defense. So I understand what you're saying. But I also would like to think that this new regime is going to kind of mold him into a better quarterback. I feel like they're going to make him become a pocket passer. And I feel like that's going to help him moving forward. Now, is he the best quarterback in the SEC? No, I don't think so. Is he an NFL draft pick? I don't really think so. But I think for Bo Nix moving forward, he's going to try and become a better college quarterback. Now, I don't think he's going to be elite, but I think he definitely is going to improve. It's out of disagree with anything you just said. But what gets under my skin was Gus went out and recruited him knowing that's not the kind of quarterback that he needs. Right. And that's what bothers, still bothers, sticks, sticks in my craw to this day. And I know Gus is not at Auburn. So but that, that's fine and dandy, but I just couldn't fathom going out and recruiting a guy that doesn't fit your system because we saw what fit his system, and he just refused to do it. He was more in love with what he wanted than what he needed, and, I, and I, that bothered me, and it bothers me to this day. And, for, and look, guys, I don't know the reason. Y'all don't know the reason. Nobody knows the reason. But for whatever reason, there's just certain guys that just turn it on in game time. They're really not good practice players, but the light just goes on in the game, and they just perform successfully. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I agree with what you're saying about Malzahn and his, and his quarterback situation. The Malzahn offense ran whenever he had a third uh, running threat on the field at that quarterback position. And look, we've seen Auburn recruit guys like Sean White, more of a pocket passer. Jarrett Stidham, dual threat quarterback, but he was definitely more of a pocket passer. Bo Nix, really talented passer in high school. I agree with what you're saying. The Malzahn offense ran whenever he had a dual threat quarterback uh, in, in the spread offense, but and I agree with you. I don't understand why Malzahn recruited, recruited quarterbacks that didn't fit his system. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Auburn eventually let him go is because he had so many inconsistencies on that side of the ball. It was kind of his thing, and he couldn't really handle it after he was recruiting players that didn't fit what he was trying to do. So I understand the frustration. I think a lot of Auburn fans feel that way, and I agree with you. But I, I, I do think that in this new system – we're going to see the quarterbacks that Auburn has, and we, we're going to see the Auburn quarterbacks that are coming in, guys like Holden, Holden Jariner. We're going to see them fit the mold of this new system, and I feel like that's going to better Auburn moving forward. But I do agree with what you're saying. Well, I mean, there's no clear-cut case, guys, that Nick Marshall's junior year to his senior year. His junior year, they were in the national title game. His senior year, they were 7-5 and because Gus tried to make him something he, he wasn't. Right. So right. all you got to take a look at it, guys. Guys, enjoy the show. You have a great day. Thank you so much for calling, Terry. 334-321-1390 is the number to call if you want to give your thoughts on anything Auburn-related, anything about the quarterback position. Just let us know. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good things that uh, Terry was saying out there. You've got you, we we hit on that uh, we've hit on that a lot where Gus Malzahn really deviated from trying to get some mobile guys that he was successful with, like a Nick Marshall, where he came in 
went to a national title game because he was able to run that triple option out of the spread type of offense with multiple reads out of it. You never had another guy like that that came in to this offense. I mean, you think about it, the guy who replaced Nick Marshall, Jeremy Johnson, he wasn't moving at all. He was just a statue back there for the most part. And he tried to use him like he was Cam Newton just because he was, you know, as tall as Cam Newton and as big as Cam Newton. I remember Malzahn saying that Johnson probably ran a 4.6. I remember reading that in 2015. I still don't believe it to this day. But again, Auburn, whenever it comes to the quarterback position, has been so inconsistent. Even whenever we had Cam, it was just a one-time thing. And I really don't understand what Malzahn was trying to do in recruiting, especially these past few years before he got fired. Yeah, I don't understand what he was trying to do with the quarterback position as well throughout his tenure. And I mean, that's what's gotten a lot of people. It's got a lot of people frustrated with this. And that and also that hurts Bo Nix. Obviously, Bo Nix has not had consistent, you know, just he, he hasn't had a lot of uh, performances where you're just wowed. He, he makes some wow throws. He makes some wow plays, but you don't see it on a consistent basis. I mean, even from the pocket last year, he wasn't great when he actually did have a clean pocket. So you really think that uh, you want to come in and see just a little bit more. You want to see a little bit more consistency out of Bo Nix. And I think that Brian Harson can get this out of that. And I think they're going to recruit guys better that fit their system. If you look at Brian Harson's track record out in Boise State, some of the quarterbacks they got really fit what they were doing out there in Boise State. He never felt like you were looking at a guy and thought, yeah, he doesn't look like he belongs in that offense, but and that felt way too commonplace in the Gus Malzahn offense. Right, right. You saw guys, again, like Jarrett Stidham, Sean White, guys that primarily knew how to throw the ball but weren't necessarily comfortable keeping it on read options, and it frustrated Auburn fans, myself included, to no end. It's like, why don't we have a guy out there, again, like Nick Marshall, who can just tuck it in and run it? Like, why don't we have that guy? Because obviously that's where the offense is at its best. It frustrated me to no end, and I feel like, again, with this new new regime, this guys like Mike Bobo, who are more pro-offense-focused and oriented, I feel like guys like Knicks, and in the future, maybe guys like Holden Jariner or even Demetrius Davis, we may see him develop into a pocket passer, even though he's more of an athletic guy. So I feel like this new system, Auburn fans just got to wait and see what it has to offer before we can jump to any conclusions uh, about the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we have to unpack with how this quarterback's going to look moving forward we could be really really just we could be wrong I mean we could be wrong and not really know what to expect out of some of these guys but man I want to see some of the development trends that we are really bringing in I want to see people get developed I want to see the quarterback position get developed and I think that's what's going to happen I understand a lot of fans are upset about that when we come back we got Shane on the line Stay with us. We're going to talk to Shane and see what he's got to say to us today. We'll be right back after this break, guys. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. Follow us on Twitter. You're listening at ESPN 106.7 Fox Sports Central Alabama. Twitter handle Levi Fitzwater and Intern Jaws. We want to hear from you guys. Call in 334-321-1390. Now, we did have Shane on the line. We lost Shane. Forgot that we were going to talk to Justin Ferguson in this segment. So I think we found someone 
to replace Shane and talk to him. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are y'all? We are doing really well. We got a lot of news to talk to. There's basketball news. There's football news. But I want to ask you the question that's on everybody's mind. Who would you rather fight? Would you rather fight one Brian Harson-sized Brian Harson or 1,000 rat-sized Brian Harsons? <laughs> uh, Brian Harson-sized Brian Harson. I don't want anything compared to rats. That's a lot. That's a lot of uh, a thousand. Yeah, I, I feel I, like they would just overwhelm me. <laughs> dude, I am, ta- I am absolutely terrified of rats, so I don't want anything to do with that. So what's yeah. been going on with the football cycle today? You, we got open practice going on. We've got some comments made yesterday from players. What's going on with that with, you know, the practices and this year's team? And then we're going to get into the pro day that happened today after that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, today, you know, yesterday they got off the field for their second practice. The year they have an off day today, you know, pro day go, taking you know, full center stage there. Uh, they'll be back on the practice field on, on Friday and then, of course, the open practice on Saturday. And so, yeah, I think it's early on, you know, just trying to uh, learn where these guys kind of fit, uh, where they where they line up. These These coaches are – you know, trying to really break down the fundamentals, really uh, get these guys, you know, kind of squared away with, all right, this is how we're going to run practices now. Uh, this is how we're going to run certain things. Um, just learning plays early on, learning each other. It's kind of been the big thing. So I think once we get to Saturday, you know, Friday and Saturday, when, you know, hopefully there's some pads uh, on and, you know, guys are going to be able to be a little bit more contact, we start to kind of pick it up a little bit more. Uh, of real football, quote unquote, but you know, right now it's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in shorts where you're, you know, just getting used to this new format and doing some of the doing some of the stuff you can learn before going full speed, uh, you know, hitting and taking taking guys to the ground and all that. You're a guy who's really familiar with the Auburn football program, even outside of what you do now. So, how important is it to have an open practice for the fans and media on Saturday? Well, it's going to be huge for the fans to, you know, come in and, and kind of watch what's what's going on and, and um, you know, just an opportunity you don't get. I mean, this has not been a thing really since the Tupperville days and even before then, um, you know, you didn't get it very much towards the end of his tenure here. So I think it, I think it's a fun opportunity for the fans to get excited. I think it's an easy, you know, kind of PR win for the program to say, hey, y'all are learning us, we're learning you. Come on in, just, you know, kind of, kind of watch and see how it's going. And you are so far away from actual football games that this is not – not where you're going to be ruining anything or showing showing too much off. But I think it's a big win uh, for us in the media. You know, we're going to be able to watch a full practice, uh, just like the fans. That's going to be fun. We're going to try to learn as much as we can as well. And uh, I think for the football program as well, one of the things to keep in mind here is that you know there's a dead period going on in recruiting, so guys can't come on you know campus for official visits or unofficial visits or anything like that. But what they can do. Uh, so they can come in and watch practice as a fan. And so this is kind of like a, a neat little workaround for guys just to get a feel of like, okay, this is what practice would look like if I came here. Some of that stuff you're missing, uh, you know, during the dead period. I think some recruits are going to be able to take advantage of that uh, on Saturday, and uh, I think that's a win for Auburn. Justin, I understand that there's probably not going to be a lot revealed uh, during this practice, but I want to get your thoughts on something just related to this open practice and a day here in about a month. What position group are you looking the most at? What are you? Which players and what position group are you looking at to see whether or not there's some stars at, at, at that position group, or just some guys you want to see improve? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking really closely at the defensive line and, and camp, and they've got some guys, of course, with. You know, Kobe Wooden's breakout year, but I mean, when you see just how they're how they arrange their roster with this new three four four three hybrid kind of look that that Derrick Mason's going to want to bring in, it's a new way of doing things up front. It's a new way that Auburn really hasn't had 
uh, in a very very long time. Um, you know, having having this kind of this type of uh, defense. So knowing where these edge defenders kind of fit into the picture, knowing where these guys play kind of on the interior. Um, you know how they adjust to playing more of two gap stuff, adjust to playing with a nose stuff like that. Um, I, I'm really curious about that because it's a new way of going about it. You know, in the secondary, you know, you know, coverages, you might do some different things, but it's pretty much the same. You know, you're going to play man, you're going to play zone, you're going to line up the same kind of way, have the same kind of alignment. Offense, you're going to have some new formations and new ways of going about things, but for the most part, you know, it's pretty much the same how these guys are aligned and lined up. Defensive line, though, you are doing a completely different thing with your defensive front than what you've been used to in the past. So that's the one I'm really keeping a close eye on because I think Auburn's got a lot of good young talent there. They're just going to have to learn on the fly. So moving on from this year's upcoming team and some of the guys who are leaving, what are some things that stood out to you at the pro day today? I know the comment that Seth Williams has made is, as you said, it's probably going to go over really well. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody can kind of see that, you know, that Auburn's passing offense was not very complex. Um, You know, under Gus Malzahn, it's one of those things where – his offense tried to be kind of lethal simplicity, and when it worked, it really worked. But, you know, it had some limitations when it wasn't working. And, um, you know, I think Seth Williams was trying to have to show that he is, uh, you know, a, a good all-around receiver that just didn't run a ton of the route tree during his time at Auburn. I think the same goes for Anthony Schwartz. He, of course, ran a, an excellent 40 today. Really, really fast unofficial 40 time for him. Um, but he also uh, looked good in field drills from what was being said by the people uh, who were in the, uh, who were in the fil- facility today. Uh, they look really good and confident with his breaks. He's been working with Randy Moss. He's trying to become a, an all-around receiver. I think he's going to be a steal for somebody because you can see he's really, really fast, obviously. Um, but I think if he continues to do a good job of working on, uh, you know, working on his his route running and pretty strong hands, um, you know, that, that that'll only help him moving forward. And then I think the, the the fun one for me was seeing Jordan Peters put up some really good numbers uh, in the jumps. He just this is a guy who's going to be fighting to to get a draft spot, or you know, most likely an undrafted uh, guy. But you, you know, he's one of the best special teams players in the country during his career at Auburn, with all the blocks and the impact plays he made. Uh, he's got good testing numbers, which will catch the attention of some NFL guys. So uh, I think jo- I think Jordan Peters might have uh, might have gotten uh, one step closer to having an NFL career today, which is really cool to see. So, Jamie uh, and Sherwood had, what, the longest arm length since 2015. How did he do today? Yeah, yeah, they had a pretty strong day, I think, you know, kind of when they did the field drills. Um, his 40 time, he said, was 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 disappointing for him. He kind of stumbled in his first one, had a decent second run, but, you know, not not fantastic numbers. Uh, but I think that the measurables for him is one that's going to stand out. One of the interesting things he said today was that some NFL teams talked about him possibly playing some linebacker and instead of just box safety at the next level i think he could be really good you know um you know nickel dime dime linebacker kind of type of guy uh would be very interesting to see if he made that transition in the nfl because we already know he's a good coverage guy but you know his his bread and butter is running downhill and hitting people uh and you know with the arms that he's got and the power that he brings to this game i think that's going to be a really really good key for him so um, you know, not the fastest 40 in the world, uh, but I think, you know, you turn on the tape with him and you just see he's an excellent he's an excellent safety who can make plays in the box. Uh, Justin, transitioning to basketball now, we've had a couple of transfer announcements over the past hour or so, some big news in the Auburn basketball world. Javon Franklin transferring out of the program and then Zepp Jasper uh, from the College of Charleston trans- transferring in 
to the Auburn program. Talk to me about this guard room heading into 2021. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think the one thing, though, real quick with, with, with uh, Javon Franklin is just it was going to be hard for him to get a more minutes. I mean, Auburn's getting even deeper in the front court next season when you add Jabari Smith into the picture. So I just think, you know, he's going to find somewhere where he can play play a little bit more. And uh, this helps balance the roster a little bit. And you bring it in with Zeb Jasper. Uh, you know, Zeb Jasper is a guy who played on a team that struggled last season, but he is, uh, you know, you watch his film. He's got an excellent reputation for a great on-ball defender. I think that quickness, uh, and, and, and ability to move well, uh, you know, as a defensive player, as a guard is going to be helpful because Auburn was lacking some in that area uh, last season, uh, you know, at, at guard. And, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good scorer. He can kind of get a little streaky uh, when, he, when he scores. Uh, he, I think the last eight games he had at College of Charleston, he scored in the double digits, had a 20-point game and a 30-point game to end his time there, uh, you know, with the, with the Cougars. Um, excellent free throw shooter, one of the best in the country from the stripe. Decent uh, three-point shooter. A guy who didn't run a lot of, like, traditional point for Auburn. I mean, I'm sorry for college Charleston. Um, you know, he he was kind of – they play, kind of played like a duo backcourt with them, and he didn't have quite as many assists as the other guy. This is a dude I think reminds me a lot of kind of what Auburn was trying to get in Turbo Jones coming out, where it's just like, you know, kind of a more of a smaller combo guard who can be a bucket getter. And if you train him up to be a point guard, if this is his dedicated role and you get a full offseason of practice with him there – you know, he could be a guy who can give you some really good minutes there. So, be very curious. I think his defense and his ability to, to you know, fight and get good good points around the rim and at the free throw line, I think it's going to be a really big pickup for Auburn. And experience matters a ton, uh, you know, especially a guy who has played uh, a lot of college basketball. Does this affect your opinion on Sharif Cooper staying or leaving at all? You know, it, it's a great question because a lot of people, you know, with Jamal Johnson leaving and Justin Powell leaving, they feel like, all right, well, uh, you know, he – it makes more sense for Sharif Cooper to come back. And I still think that, you know, that does check a lot of boxes. I think with Jasper, we'll see. Um, I don't think Zepp Jasper is necessarily coming in thinking he is going to be the un- undoubted number one point guard at Auburn next season. I don't think Auburn is going to try to go get that guy to replace Sharif Cooper if Sharif Cooper ends up going until, you know, that decision is made. I think Jasper, if you bring Sharif Cooper back next season, he's a guy that can give you good minutes of the one and the two. He's a defensive upgrade. He's an experienced guy uh, for you, and he can get some shots uh, on his own, which I think is something Auburn didn't have a ton of last season uh, with their backcourt. So we'll see. I mean, he could end up being the, the, the one of the lead guards next season for Auburn if Cooper's gone. But I think even if Cooper comes back, there's a role for him, and, uh, you know, it makes sense timing-wise. He just wanted to go ahead and uh, make sure he got a spot on a team that, uh, you know, they think is going to do some big things next season. Justin, thank you for coming on with us yet again. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff at. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Uh, subscribe there. $6 a month to $60 a year. Gets you all our coverage, uh, a lot of stories and analysis on Auburn football and basketball, and a, uh, and a podcast that we do twice a week as well. And you can follow me on Twitter, JFergusonAU. It's a good follow. You guys should go check him out. Justin, thank you again. Absolutely. Thank y'all. That was Justin Ferguson calling in, talking a lot, giving us a lot of Auburn football and basketball news. Man, we're almost done with hour number one. We're about to head to a break right here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit of NFL free agency news and kind of just wrap up this with a quick segment about where everybody's going, what's happening around the NFL. So stick around. We'll talk to you guys after this break. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. 
having a great day today on the line with ESPN 1067 Fox Sports Central Alabama. Give us a follow on Twitter at Levi Fitzwater at Intern Jaws. We're going to wrap up this first hour of the show. Man, it has flown by. We've had a lot of callers. We want to hear from you. Call in 334-321-1390. But before that, let's see what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The NCAA tournament may dominate televisions tonight, but if you aren't interested, Grey's Anatomy is going to have quite a few eyeballs as well. New episode at 8 on ABC. The real question is, how many NCAA tournament games will reach a final before Force Gump ends? The movie runs on AMC from 7 to 10. It's time. The NCAA tournament begins this evening with the first four games, starting the action at 410 on True TV. 16 seeds in Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's will open the tournament at 527 on TBS, 11 seeds Drake and Wichita State battle it out. Back on True TV at 7:40, 16 seeds again Appalachian State versus Norfolk State. Wrapping up the night at 9 on TBS, Blue Bloods find themselves in an unfamiliar position. UCLA and Michigan State square off. I'm not sure why you would do this with the NCAA tournament on, but if you want to watch the two NIT games, three seed NC State will take on two seed Davidson on ESPN at six, then at eight on ESPN, three seed SMU and two seed Boise State will play. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. How did Noah sneak in here and do that? He's out there supposed to be calling a baseball game. Can't believe it. Goodness, Noah. Man, I mean, there's a lot of good things on TV tonight, but I mean, the best thing was on TV last night. Obviously, our favorite show, The Masked Singer, was on last night. Yes, sir. Caitlyn Jenner, reality star, Olympic gold medalist, was revealed to be the phoenix that rose from the ashes. Great show. Always love it. Going to make that podcast someday. I'm getting around to it. But more importantly, we're going to hit on some of that NCAA talk later on. We want to We want to have a full conversation about the first four and then the rest of the tournament right now we're just going to keep you guys updated with some of the nfl moves that are going on mitchell trubisky even at the beginning of the show he signed with the bills he's going to the bills to be a backup quarterback to josh allen we presume i assume he's not i assume he's not unseating uh josh allen uh andy dalton signed with the bears earlier this week he just came out and said that he is the starter they gave him that assurance that he is coming in there to start well, I, I completely understand that. And you and I were talking about this a little bit off air before we got on to the show is that Andy Dalton's probably the best quarterback to come through Chicago in a very long time. Think about the guys that they've had under center. Mitchell Trubisky, Mike Glennon, Nick Foles. And like you said, I don't trust Nick Foles as a quarterback unless he's playing backup for the Eagles. It's like this Andy Dalton is not a terrible quarterback. He played well in Cincinnati, he got them to a couple of different playoff games. He's not going to lose you a game. Yeah, I mean, he's. He might not go out and absolutely wow you and win you games, but he's not going to lose you games too many times. I mean, he's a fine replacement. I mean, he did really well once he got adjusted after that injury to the Cowboys offense. Yeah, I mean, I I like the move for the Bears. They couldn't, you know, they took a swing and a miss with Russell Wilson. They offered them a lot. They offered them, what, three first rounds, a couple of starters. I mean, I, everything. I don't understand how the Seahawks didn't end up taking that. Uh, they must have some sort of reassurance that Russell Wilson and that relationship can be repaired. Because if not, you 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 definitely uh, didn't take what's the best offer you're going to get. Yeah, my concern with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson is they haven't really been able to get him an offensive line over these past couple of years. And it's Ever. like, how long is Russ going to cook? Because last year, he kind of overbaked it. To end the season. He's just he's not been incredibly productive in late seasons for two years in a row now. And you know, how long how much longer is he gonna cook? I'm just concerned with his his future. If you know, if he's he's spending all this money on his body to prevent injuries, but like one of these days, 
He's either going to get old or he's going to get injured, and then he's going to be worthless, and Seattle's going to find themselves in a very tough position. I feel like they should trade him either this year to get some really, really good value, or they should wait a couple of years, maybe draft a quarterback next year. I feel like Russell Wilson's time could be coming to an end in the next five years or so. And if you don't want to trade him or get rid of him, you got to get him a line. For sure. Quit drafting running backs in the first round. Rashad Penny was just an absolute whiff by them in that late round draft that's that's one that always sticks out to me you got to get some some line help for this guy I mean yes he's mobile he can escape he can throw on the run dimes down the you know 40 yards down the field but you don't want your quarterback to have to do that all the time that's the issue that we're having you want to protect the guy he's 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 getting up there in age not you know old old but he's not He's not a young guy anymore who needs to be doing this. Right, right. And like like you mentioned with the running backs, they they lost Chris Carson. Yeah, Chris Carson's they, out. They lost their best running back. So it's, my concern is they have to either get him an offensive line or get pieces in a trade that would fill that void and then get a quarterback down the line. I feel like I feel like it's if you can't get this man an offensive line, he's MVP caliber 100% if you can. They've got the receivers. We've seen that in Metcalf, how he's developed. You got to get him a line or you got to get him out of there. Yeah, I mean, you got you you have to get him a line, and we we talked about running backs. Kenyon Drake, he's going to the Raiders. Him and Josh Jacobs are going to team up there in Las Vegas. I almost said Oakland. I, I, it's hard for me, Las Vegas. Uh, Jared Cook, former Saints tight end, going to the Chargers. They can have him. They can keep him. Keep him as far away from my team as absolutely possible. You can stay out there, Jared Cook. I don't care. Don't want anything to do with you anymore. There's been a lot of guys. I mean, Mike Glennon, he's still in the league. He's about to go be the backup for the Giants. I thought he was outed. I didn't think he was still playing. So Something I, I didn't think about is like, well, is he really a backup quarterback? Like, is he that, is he that caliber? And it's like, for the Giants, uh, maybe. Are we sure that he's not better than Daniel Jones? I'm not. Know. I'm not saying that Mike Glennon's great, but are we sure he's not better than Daniel Jones? I don't know. He might be. He might be. I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that, some other things that happened um, around. I mean, I don't think we have any Kenny Galladay news just yet. I've been keeping an eye on that one. Patrick Peterson to the Vikings. That was a big one that happened yesterday. I think he's a little past his prime, but still a good pickup nonetheless for the Vikings I think we should address what Belichick is trying to do with the Patriots I think they've built themselves back into a playoff contender yeah me and Noah lightly talked about this yesterday I like their schedule when you don't win your division your your schedule gets significantly easier they are playing the NFC South which is a little bit tough but they could easily go two and two in that one I think I think they'd probably they could probably beat the Panthers in a Cam Revenge game they could probably beat the Falcons and or the Saints and then the Buccaneers I don't know if their defense will be good enough to be able to stop the Buccaneers but again the Bucs aren't the same team that we saw down the stretch they don't people forget because they went and won the Super Bowl that they almost lost to Taylor Heineke they they're they're thinking this is some super team just because the last image you have of this team was dominating Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl not you know almost losing to Taylor Heineke. Do you know what Mahomes' problem was? He didn't have an offensive line. You you can yep. have an MVP caliber quarterback, but if you don't get him an offensive line, he's not going to perform. We saw that in the Super Bowl. And another thing, like you mentioned, do you all understand that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were six points away from losing to Taylor Heineke in a playoff game? Like, do you understand how close that game was? That defense is nasty for the football team, by the way. And if they can get some sort of productive quarterback play, whether it is Taylor Heineke this year, since they re-signed him, or a Kyle Allen, whoever it is, you know, they added Curtis Samuel to that uh, receiving room as well. They could, I could see the football team really taking some strides forward this year under Ron Rivera if they get some sort of competent quarterback play. I am a, I, I do tend to agree with you. I think that the Patriots 
they've made moves to make them a playoff team right now. Absolutely, 100% agree. Real quick, thoughts on where Deshaun lands? Deshaun, I think he's going to the 49ers. I agree. I agree 100%. We'll be back after this break to talk a little bit more basketball and football. Stay with us. You are on the line. You are on the line. Live. On Fox Sports Central Alabama, on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga, and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. No Noah today. He's about to go call a baseball game. You're listening to us on ESPN 1067 Fox Sports Central Alabama. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. I'll give it to you one more time. How about that? 334-321-1390. Find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Like the podcast, unlike the podcast, re-like it, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Keep those numbers pumping up, baby. We're going to the top. We got a lot to talk about. Let's talk about some pro day. We'll talk about pro day. We got to hit on that a little bit with Justin Ferguson. We didn't get to talk about it too much on our own. You you were over there. You got all those stats. I mean, Jeremy Sherwood, the longest arms out of anybody since what uh, twenty fifteen? I think ever. Actually, I think just recorded in human history. in human history the longest arms ever. He is just walking around dragging arms, massive arms. Okay, so we got some guys that that recorded some pro day stats. We had a couple of guys actually, Sal Canella and JJ Wilson, who I completely forgot existed, uh, actually did participate in this pro day. Nothing against Sal or JJ. I actually love the, the, them both. Very talented tight ends, uh, and respectively. But um, I think the two biggest names for Auburn were their receivers and Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams just to look at their numbers Schwartz was recorded at six foot even he had nine and three eighths inches hands and his his 40 time which was originally recorded at a 4.28 I believe the unofficial official time was 4.26 and I honestly didn't think that this man would record a 4.26 I didn't think he would get that quick I actually got to listen in on an interview uh, Zach Blackerby did walked on Auburn with Anthony Schwartz and he said his goal was a 4.25.40 and he almost got there he, he got close to it he got really close to it they're just I'm I'm down on the receivers in terms of their route running obviously because sure. and to no fault of their own I don't think it's any of their faults they were never put in a position to showcase their routes and I think that they that's something that they can develop and learn so these guys might be they might be guys that you get later on in the draft I agree with Justin Ferguson I, I was I was low. I was low on Anthony Schwartz coming out. I thought he was just fast, and that's all he did. But I think that he has the tools to be built into a good receiver. I mean, I heard uh, rumblings that Mike Tomlin was there, and he's been talking to the Steelers, you know, a couple times a week. You can see somebody like that going in. You know, they're expected to lose Juju Smith-Schuster. They're probably going to need some more receivers. And if the Steelers are looking at you to pick you, they don't miss when they draft receivers. They don't miss when they draft receivers. Just look at every receiver on their roster. They always, 
always crush it when they bring receivers into that room. Absolutely, 100%. Another guy that we were looking at, Seth Williams, a little bit bigger of a receiver, recorded at 6'3", uh, 211, had a 4.5 even uh, 40 time. What are your thoughts on Seth Williams' transition to the NFL game? I think he could transition well, but I think he has to go to the right spot and he has to work on, I hate to say it again, but he has to work on his route running. He has to work on getting a little bit of separation. He's a bigger guy, but you're going to face cornerbacks who can man up with you in the professional football league. I mean, you saw last year when he was going up what I assume is going to be a first round cornerback in J.C. Horn against South Carolina. It didn't look good. J.C. Horn pretty much shut Seth Williams down that game you got to be able to get separation or just outbody them at a certain point because Seth Williams, he's going to get a good bit of jump balls. He's kind of a bigger, bigger guy. He's going to have some of those, you know, one-on-one type of options at the NFL. I want to see him get separation. I want to see him, you know, work on boxing guys out. The one time I saw him against that I can at least remember against legitimate pro cornerback play with JC Horn, it didn't look good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it always comes back to me with Seth Williams. It's like, well, focus on what this guy does best. He gets 50-50 balls really well. And do I think that's going to translate to the NFL game? I'm not really sure. Williams is a really physical receiver, like you mentioned, not the greatest route runner in the world. All the receivers at Auburn are not very good route runners. We've talked about that in the past a little bit with how Malzahn didn't really scheme well with his receivers. I actually got to talk with Schwartz about that a little bit. Stove mentioned it a little bit earlier. We were talking with Justin about that. Not the greatest route runners, but with a guy like Williams, again, very physical. But I don't. I just don't know how he translates well to the NFL because whenever you do have a pro corner on you, you the only thing that we have to go off of, J.C. Horn, he didn't perform well, and I just don't think that I, I see him transitioning to the NFL game consistently. I don't remember much from uh, his play against the Alabama game. I don't, rem- I don't even know if Patrick Sertan was on him or even covered him in that game. Just the one that sticks out to me is I know J.C. Horn's going to be, if not a first-round NFL draft pick, he's going to be early second round. And when Seth Williams was on him, he got absolutely shut down. And that's what worries me going to the next level is you didn't show us at the time when that was probably the biggest indicator be like hey this is your chance to go see what you got and also I mean he's going up against stiff competition in this draft this is a loaded receiver draft and I mean you're looking at a guy like Rashad Bateman who might slip to the second round who I think he is just absolutely phenomenal I think Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota is going to be one of the better receivers out of this draft and he might even be a second round pick it's hard it's going to be hard for Seth Williams to kind of get his name out there because at least with Anthony Schwartz, you're bringing that speed dynamic that people can get wild and say, Hey, like, even if you don't work out as a receiver, you can be a gunner on special teams at some point. They, they see that and they see that potential there with Seth Williams. He doesn't have that one thing that wow. That's like, Oh, this guy is just this good at doing this. I think he could be a fine pro receiver. He just has to go to a situation where, he can be used. He, he can't get buried under the depth chart and be like a seven or eight guy. And that's if he makes a roster. Right, right. And and as you mentioned, it's like, well, he's not really good at doing one thing. And the one thing that he is good at doing is yep. 50-50 balls. But again, the only that's, thing we yeah. have to go off of is his performance against J.C. Horn. Not the, not the best in the world. Real quick before we transition to defense, what are your thoughts on Eli Stove? He recorded some stats at Pro Day, nothing particularly impressive. Ran a 4.5540. Do you think he gets drafted at all or signs with a, a free agent? 
So you're telling me he runs a 4.5540 and Gus Malzahn was so just dead set on running sweeps and screens with this man. I just don't understand. I, There's just <laughs> some things that Malzahn did that I will just never understand. And, 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 that, and that's okay. It's okay. We've moved on from it. We got a new guy now. Let's see what he does with our talent. But man, I just that, don't get it. I, I never understood that when it was happening and... When you put stat, you, when you put that behind her, it's like that still doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, I, I still don't think that Eli Stokes is going to be drafted. I think he's probably going to be a UDFA, he's going to be an undrafted uh, free agent at the end of the draft. Probably make a practice squad here or there. Um, probably maybe transition to a special teams type of guy. But I could see him being a good practice squad player because the guy can't play. And I, can, I mean, you, he can play receiver, but he's he lacks a little bit of everything. Yeah, he lacks a little bit of everything and. Typically, if you're lacking a little bit of everything, the one thing you want to be good at is route tree and separation. And he's not doing that exceptionally well. Typically, when you have these guys that come in that are, how do I say this, a little bit undervalued in terms of like maybe a Julian Edelman coming out of college where you're just thinking like, oh, I mean, he's kind of undersized. He really doesn't do that much. Well, he was able to get separation and he was able to run a very diverse route tree or he learned how to do he learned how to run a very diverse route tree after transitioning to the receiver position. I don't know if Eli Stove can do that because he didn't. He doesn't know any any of them as well. But he also doesn't get a lot of separation. Right. Again, not saying Stove is a bad receiver, talented athlete, very good player, just not just not overall NFL caliber. Yeah, he's, in he's my aver- opinion, he's average across the board for college standards which puts you a little bit below average across the board for NFL standards. Right, right. And that's not that's not knocking Eli Stove. I love Eli Stove at Auburn. I think he was a fine receiver here. It's just two different beasts when you get to the NFL. Right, right. So switching over to defense now, KJ Britt, who is the guy on defense that uh, Auburn's looking to get drafted higher uh in the NFL draft, put up 24 reps of 225 pounds at Auburn Pro Day today. He is a physical stud. Man, I ain't that bad. I could do that. You could do it, yeah. Well, I, I I did it one time when the cameras weren't on, but you know. That's, yeah, I say nobody was there, and I I did that, and you know, I was also did a one armed, you know, just yeah, throwing that out there. I mean, it's impressive, but like, couldn't you at least go for twenty five, man? Like, come yeah. on. No, gosh. I mean that. All jokes aside, that man's a beast. I think he's going to. He's a little underwhelming in the size department and in coverage, but I think that's some things that at the pro level he could work on, and I think he's going. I think he's going to get on a team, probably be a depth piece for a team that probably needs some linebacking depth that they could probably get later on in the draft and he could help them out. A team like New Orleans who had to cut Quan Alexander, having to rely on a guy like Zach Bond and Alex Anzalone right now, which pretty, you know, not great. The the Browns, a team that doesn't have a lot of linebacker depth as well. It's crazy that I still hit on, even with Noah not here, I still ended up talking about the Browns. You could see him <laughs> going to a team like that where they just need some depth pieces, maybe not looking for a guy who's going to start, but someone who can come in and fill some roles and maybe even provide some special teams play and practice squad play if it doesn't work out. So I think he's a I think he's a good depth piece that a team could have. I think his like on the worst case scenario, he's just a good practice squad player. Best case scenario, you get a fringe starter if all that works out. Right, right. And, and again, go back to what we were talking about with Seth Williams. You know, what's the one thing that this guy does really well that can get him to the pro game? Is like, well, he hits really hard, and he's a really good downhill runner. He's a very good run stopper. And I feel like, like you said, he's going to be a really good depth piece in the NFL if somebody can pick this guy up. I don't feel like he's necessarily the fastest guy in the world, doesn't really move 
uh, laterally really well, doesn't move great in pass coverage, but he is a physical freak, and I feel like he's going to perform well as a, as a depth linebacker in the NFL. Moving on, Auburn had three secondary players declare for the NFL draft this season, starting off with Jamie and Sherwood, talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, 34-inch arms, the longest arms recorded ever in human history. What are your thoughts on Jamie and Sherwood uh, heading into this draft? By the way, he had a 4.7540. I mean, when you have the largest, the longest arms in recorded human history, I mean, you're going to be able to do some swatting back there in the defensive backfield. I think I saw something where they were considering him if he could move more of a box safety yeah there we go more of a box safety or outside linebacker they said that um he was NFL teams weren't sure whether he would play that box safety or outside linebacker position Jamie Sherwood said I think I could do both well you look at him he's six foot two 216 pounds you know he could definitely if he put on just a little bit more weight he could definitely play that edge position I can see him doing that in the NFL uh 15 reps on the bench he's he's a physical he's physical he's a strong defensive back I honestly wouldn't mind seeing him maybe even be a little bit of a hybrid if you have to be but like I think he could make an NFL team very happy for the versatility I think I think with what he brings with his arms like his just his length and his athleticism he can make an NFL roster imagine having that guy as your linebacker outside linebacker in coverage we I hate I always bring up the Saints because I watch them more closely you saw when Quan Alexander went down and Alex Anzalone had to cover Leonard Fournette in that Buccaneers game he was getting toasted every time I don't think Jeremy Sherwood's going to be getting I don't think Jeremy Sherwood's going to be getting toasted by any running backs consistently like you see a guy like Alex Anzalone did in the pros this year I think that he's a guy who can cover the ball who can cover he's long he's lanky he's got length and he's physical I mean he's a physical type of player I think this guy could come into the NFL and really provide some upside I think he might be a steal later in the draft you might not see it at first he might be a developmental guy who kind of comes on a little bit towards the end of this season maybe next season but I think if an NFL team picks him up, whatever position they play him at, I think they could get something out of him. Christian Tut, the smallest uh, secondary player for Auburn to declare for the draft this season, listed at 5'10", 180. Going to be honest, looking at his numbers uh, compared to some of the other guys that recorded stats at the Pro Day today, might be the most underwhelming stats of, the, of all the players, not to say, again, I don't want to hate on these players and for, for people to come back and just say that I'm a hater. These guys performed well in college. They're talented. It's just looking at them on paper, you know, how does that transition to the NFL? I don't really know. Looking at Tut's stats, he didn't really perform fantastic today, in my opinion. Well, he also, he was a little frustrated. He didn't really get to, he, he didn't get to do much today. He said he was frustrated at the fact that he trained for the past three months and only had to, only had two drills to show scouts they shut it down kind of early for him but even with that being said I was under I was under impressed with Christian Tut at the collegiate level and he doesn't just wow me with any physical traits that you know typically guys like let's say maybe a Josh Allen his senior season at Wyoming yeah he didn't wow you with his stats but you look at the man with a rocket for an arm and he's tall and he's mobile and you can see why people draft him because there's potential there's upside and potential yeah I I don't see that with Christian Tud. He hasn't shown me anything, and he hasn't shown me any upside. Maybe he could be a practice squad piece. He might could be a, an, an undrafted free agent that just plays practice squad. I feel like that's kind of his ceiling right now, unless 
he just absolutely pops off. Yeah, I think the the only thing that Christian Tut had going for him, honestly, at the collegiate level that I could notice was that uh, touchdown returned at LSU. If had he not returned that touchdown, I would have never seen him as a, as an NFL player. I would have never even considered, you know, whenever I think of Christian Tut, what plays do I think think of that he made on the field at Auburn, and I just can't think of anything. Uh, real quick here before we go to break, thoughts on Jordan Peters? Uh, he recorded stats as well at the combine. Do you think he potentially makes a free agent deal? I think he could. I think he could. I mean, he's got a good vertical, thirty-nine point five. He also tied Seth Williams for that longest broad jump, ten to four. I mean, he's got a PlayStation Five now. I mean, this guy is just balling. I think he could do something going in uh, going in the future. Picked up that PS Five, baby. That's what we're all about. God, he was searching for that thing for so long. I'm so happy for him. I think that he had a really good day today, and I think that he could absolutely make a pro team. He does a lot of things well. And I think he's a guy that has a lot of heart. So. With all that being said, pretty good pro day, right? Like I think we had some guys with some pretty good pro days. I think there are some guys here that have some definite potential guys like Britt and Schwartz and maybe Williams if he can kind of develop his skills. I feel feel like Auburn had some talent this year, uh, and I think we will get to see – I think we'll see three players drafted, three or four. I could see that. I could see three. I could see three or four players drafted. We're about to head to break right now here with On the Line. Stay on the line with us, and we'll be right back after this break. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. Again, no Noah today. He is calling Lee Scott versus Springwood baseball game on AU 100, 100.3 FM at 3.30. I think is when the first pitch is going to happen. You're listening to us on ESPN 106.7, Fox 98.3 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Levi Fitzwater and at Intern Jaws. Check out the podcast as well. Anywhere you can find your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, what have you. Give us a call. 334-321-1390. You know what? I'm I'm feeling generous today. I'm feeling really generous today. I'm going to give you that phone number one more time. 334-321-1390. Save it in your phone. Make it your contact. Make it your your number one speed dial contact, if that's even a thing. Do people still have speed dial on phones anymore? You can put it at the top of your uh, recommended uh, on, on your iPhone. So if you want to do that, go ahead and well, do If it. you have your iPhone, go ahead and put it at the top of your recommended. You know you want to call us. We want to hear from you and talk to you about everything that's going on in the world of sports, even in the Auburn community, as well as the national landscape. You want to call talk about hockey? I'll talk about hockey with you. I'm not going to talk soccer. Don't call me and talk about soccer. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. Quit asking. <laughs> Maybe We're, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some basketball here, boys. We got an issue. This is the fourth player to transfer out of the Auburn University basketball program since the start of this season. Uh, We're gone. It's it's. it's it, it, do you think this is? I saw this on Twitter earlier today. Is this you know like is the barn on fire? Or is does Bruce Pearl have something cooking up his sleeve? See, I don't know what to think. I genuinely don't know what to think. We saw Jamal Johnson enter the transfer portal yesterday, and then today we see Javon Franklin, who is a forward reserve for Auburn, enter the transfer portal. Not really upset at the fact that Javon is transferring. Not 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 a player that really saw, saw a whole lot of time. Not really somebody I'm emotionally attached to as a fan. Um, but I do wish the best for him. Same thing for Jamal. I feel like he was a talent at Auburn. He definitely had the ability to light it up from deep. We saw his potential. He could score 25 a game if he if he could be consistent. Um, but I do think I do think he's going to land somewhere and he's going to play well. But as far as this guard room goes, you know, I'm I was really really concerned 
with with what Auburn was going to look like up until just an hour or so ago. We got news that Zepp Jasper of Car- College of Charleston has committed to Auburn, and we talked about it with Justin a little bit. He's kind of what Auburn wanted to do with Tyrell Jones, which is make him, make him into a smaller combo guard that can create off the dribble and he can score efficiently. Yeah, he became he became more of the combo guard towards the end of this season when they put him in at the point guard role and allowed him to play that point guard role a little bit. He didn't shock me as much whenever it happened because my first thought was, no, he's probably going to have a little bit of a you know, a depth chart or a minutes decrease. He's probably going to have a hard time finding minutes. And I think looking at this optimistically, I think that's why a lot of these guys have left. I think it's because of just they're going to have a decrease in minutes. And maybe they want to go somewhere where they can showcase their talents or even just get more playing time. Justin Powell, not really sure what it was with him. Maybe he thought minutes decrease. Maybe he wanted to move closer to home. Maybe he just wanted to get out of the program. I'm not sure what is happening I'm hoping I'm hoping that this isn't like an NCAA thing where they know like something's about to happen. So these and they've already told the guys and they're like, hey, you might want to leave. Something's about to happen. And I'm I'm hoping it's not that. I really don't think that's the case. I don't think that this program's about to blow up or, or be think, shut down. I don't think so either. But I think something else that we have to consider is like even with all of these players leaving, it's like Auburn still has a plethora of talent on their roster next season in every single position. And now that we've had a couple of guys leave, I feel like it gives us more of an answer as to who's going to be starting where, uh, what, which guys are going to be playing. And this is something that we talked about. I talked about this with Zach Blackerby. I did after the game every Saturday after Auburn basketball games, and we were saying, okay, how's this shooting guard position going to shake out if we've got seven guys that can play the position? It's like, who's going to get minutes? Somebody or more than one person has to transfer and we've gotten that answer. We've seen Jamal Johnson. We've seen Justin Powell leave. Honestly, Justin Powell, I feel like, should have stayed at Auburn. I feel like if he wasn't a starter, he would have gotten significant minutes. We saw how good he was with the three ball. Uh, I'm really disappointed that he he transferred out of the program. But outside of that, I'm content with these other guys leaving. I, I feel like a guy like Devin Cambridge and Alan Flanagan are definitely going to step up, step up and fill their roles. I feel like Flanagan will continue to play point guard maybe a little bit if Auburn needs him to or play shooting guard. And I feel like he's capable of doing that, especially with another year, another offseason to prepare. you got to think Flanagan wasn't – it wasn't asked to play point guard up until just a month or so before the season started. So it wasn't necessarily his forte. It wasn't preparing for it. You get a guy like Zepp Jasper coming in who can handle the ball. You've got Cambridge who can shoot from the wing. I mean, Auburn's got some talent in their backcourt. And then you look at, oh, don't forget, you've got Trey Alexander coming in who can light it up from deep as well. And then you also got to think about guys in the front court, guys like JT Thor, Jabari Smith, Jalen Williams. This team is incredibly talented. And if we don't see Auburn's program blow up or if we don't see somebody else transfer out, I think we're going to be set. I mean, I think that there's a lot of guys coming in. So I'm not too worried about the guys leaving. Um, it just makes a lot of sense to me that a lot of them are trying to get out of here to go somewhere where they can play. That's right. just what it looks like to me. I'm hoping that this means well for Sharif Cooper coming back. I don't know if it does. Do you have any input on that? Do you think this means that Sharif's coming back, or do you think it's just maybe maybe it has nothing to do with it? I think looking at this guy and Zeb Jasper, I don't feel like he's necessarily... 
he's not going to be our lead point guard. I feel like Shoot Cooper is going to come back more and more every single day. I see more news or like transfers or something or just random little tidbits of information that make me believe that like you know what I feel like Cooper is going to stay one more year to get some more college tape and kind of I don't necessarily think he can boost his draft stock. Really talented player, but I feel feel like he is going to come back for one more year, just kind of hone his skills before he gets to the NBA game. And I feel like he's going to lead this team at that point guard position. I feel like Zepp, if he is going to play, he's going to play that two spot more often, play that combo guard, or he's going to come off the bench. Um, I don't really see him playing a whole lot at, at the one or being the leader of this team, even though we got to see him do that with Charleston. Something that Ferguson point out, pointed out is this guy's an elite scorer. We saw him score 20 and 30 point games before he ended his time at Charleston so he's obviously talented but I would like to see him at the two or on the bench at the one I do think Cooper is coming back though I think he's going to lead this team it makes me feel like he's coming back I agree with you more and more each day with the way that the news cycle is kind of going we've seen a lot of guards and guys who played point guard last year opt to transfer out with the guys who are coming in you know with Trey Alexander and whatnot as well I've also heard about uh what's the guy's name from Penn State MJ Jones I've heard things about him maybe transferring. He's a Birmingham native. I've heard that Auburn has reached out to him and had talks about him transferring down here to Auburn. I mean, he was uh, he was a guy at Penn State who was their leading basketball or their leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken. He was averaging 15.3 points per game. Another piece of depth that could come in if you want to come down here to Auburn. I don't know if he comes after after Zepp Japs, Jasper's commitment and saying that he's going to come to Auburn. I don't think Jones would come down here if Sharif Cooper is coming back because why? It wouldn't make sense because where would you fit in? I mean, you, right. you're good. if you're transferring out, tip if you're the leading scorer of a team and you're transferring out, typically you're going to be like you're going somewhere where you can showcase your talent. You're not going right. to go somewhere where you're going to ride the bench unless you just want not ride the bench, but you know, be be the number two on the depth chart to Sharif Cooper. Typically, you want to go somewhere where you can showcase your talent because you're the leading scorer of a team. If right. you want to keep showcasing your talents, just stay there and keep showcasing your talent. Right, and if he does come, I believe that's an indicator that uh, Auburn's, Auburn's going to ride, ride the hot hand with this kid and they're going to let him shoot and they're going to let him play, and I feel like that's a good thing. Again, Auburn's got a plethora of talent. There's no way that this can go wrong unless the, unless we get some NCAA violations and some sanctions and some penalties, which I don't, again, I don't see that happening. There's no way that this offseason can go terrible. Right now it's going just fine. These transfers that, that are leaving don't necessarily matter. Justin Powell kind of would like to have him back because he was such a talented player, but it, it's not the end of the world. They're just looking for playing time because they aren't going to get it here because we have more talented players on the roster, and that's a good thing. It is. I mean, depth is never a bad thing. Having depth is, I mean, you saw that this year with Auburn where they didn't have depth at the point guard position and it it hurt them throughout the year. Having depth is such an underrated value, especially in college basketball, more so in the fact that you see a lot of times teams will go on deep tournament runs at the end of the year because they have some sort of depth. They can run more than just their one guy like in Oklahoma State where they just really have Cade Cunningham kind of bring it to there's a reason Baylor's been so good this year Baylor runs like eight and nine deep most of the time Auburn needs a Javon McCormick backup point guard to make a tournament run like they did in 2019 you saw how valuable he was to that team whenever Harper got into foul trouble McCormick would come in and he wouldn't light it up but he would be efficient and I feel like Auburn's got that in this kid in Zepp Jasper and even though guys like Jamal Johnson are transferring away 
we probably would have seen him play a little bit of point guard. I feel like this is a better option for Auburn moving forward, more of a traditional point guard slash combo guard. Really excited what I see uh, from this transfer market so far. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited. I'm excited to see that as well. You know what else is exciting? Listening to On the Line. Stay around with us. We're going to talk some NCAA tournament to round out this show in the next two segments. We'll be right back. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw. ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. Follow us on Twitter at Levi Fitzwater at Lance Daw. Give us a call. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And you know how I do it. One one time is just not enough. 334-321-1390. Call us. Talk to us. We got basketball news, football news. We'll talk to about whatever you want to talk about. Now we're going to hit the NCAA tournament. It starts tonight. Semi. Semi officially starts tonight. You got the first four going on. You've got Texas Southern. They're going to be taking Mount St. Mary's. The Mount taking on them at 410 right after we get off the air. You got Drake. You know, Drake's taking on Wichita State. And then you've got Appalachian State taking on Norfolk State. And then the big one, UCLA, Michigan State. Any of those stick out to you? And you're not going to want to miss, miss that uh, UCLA-Michigan State game. Should be a fantastic mashup, matchup. I was talking to Noah about this, I believe, a couple of times uh, ago whenever I was on air. This is the greatest time of the year. This is my God, favorite time of the it. year. I love March Madness with a passion. Um, you know, something about springtime and this weather to go along with some basketball for uh, two or three straight weeks. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. But talking about these first four matchups here uh, today, you know, you got a couple of 16 seed matchups going on. To be honest with you, I don't really think anybody has ever heard of Mount St. Mary's University. The Mount. The Mount. <laughs> um, but the, the Drake-Wichita State game is another 11-11 matchup. That's a good one. You should really look forward to a couple of really talented teams um, Drake, you know, they got off to, uh, to a really hot start this season. They lost to Loyola Chicago, and then they beat them the very next day. Um, I feel like this is a team that could, that could definitely uh, beat Wichita State. If they're firing on all cylinders, they'll give you 40 minutes. They'll play a complete basketball game. I feel like this Wichita State team, though, is capable of doing the same thing. I feel like Wichita State will win this game just sheerly based off of talent alone. Uh, Drake is favored by two in this game. I, I, I think I am going to take the Shockers to win this game. Uh, again, I feel like they just have uh, better guard play. Uh, ETN for Wichita State, I believe he's averaging like, what, 17 a game? Uh, Drake actually is a 65.4% favorite according to ESPN's uh, basketball power index. I'm going to take the Shockers in this one. I, I, I'm going to go against you. I like Drake just from, and you guys know how I do this here. I don't ever look at stats when I made the picks. I look at what the lines are doing. I look at where people are putting their money. Drake's getting a lot of sharp action. You're seeing a lot of big money on Drake. And Drake also kind of falls into this category of one of these things that I like to say. It's called trending. It's called fading trendy underdogs. So guys that, so underdogs that people are kind of rallying behind a little bit that you're hearing a lot about. You know, you see a lot of people picking them and whatnot. So the record for these fading, trendy underdog teams, you got 79, 55, and 3. That is a 59% win rate. 
Drake sort of falls into that. They are the favorites, but a lot of people are taking the Shockers to win. I'm liking Drake. I'm also going to take, I also like them to cover that two point spread. And something I just started doing myself on my Twitter, which you can follow me at Levi Fitzwater, I'm picking every game. I'm going to pick every single game against the spread, and you're going to see how truly awful I am at doing this. (laughs) You're going to be able to see how miserably bad I am at picking games against the spread, and you're going to be able to call in and laugh at me or, you know, at me on Twitter and, you know, catch me down bad in 4K and ratio me (laughs) to no end. Uh, so I, 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 do, I don't disagree with that. I feel like Drake definitely does have the potential to win this game. This is going to be a good game. But, you know, for me, I, I do like to look at numbers a lot. And just looking at their strength of schedule, Drake's strength of schedule is 202nd in the country compared to Wichita State's 33rd ranked strength of schedule. So I, Pretty I, bad. Feel, <laughs> I feel like the Wichita State's definitely played tougher competition. Um, but, you know, again, this, this Drake team's really talented. I can see this game going either way. But, again, just based off of sheer talent and, and I've seen them play better uh, uh, opponents. I'm going to take the Shockers in this one. Another, I, don't, I don't know. Drake's pretty talented. I mean, he's put out a lot of hit records. He's got a lot of good singles, some features. I mean, he, he's a big super fan of the Raptors. I think he's pretty talented. I'm not I'm not mad at Drake uh, personally as an artist. I, 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 I like Drake's music. If y'all hate me for that, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just the way it is. Some people really don't like Drake. I've been, as a rapper. I've been rocking with my boy Drake since he was Aubrey Graham. I mean, I let's like be Drake. honest. I, I grew up watching Degrassi. I, I, I'm rocking with Drake. Another matchup to definitely keep your eyes on again. I feel like this is the game of the night. Uh, NIT matchups, regardless. Uh, UCLA and Michigan State, a couple of really, really good teams. Michigan State, I feel like, is a little underrated in, the, in this game, even though I feel like people are going to be picking them. I feel like they're a little underrated for two reasons. Number one, Early on in the season, we saw them have some terrible turnover issues. I mean, that guard play in Rocket Watts, it was just, it's poor. That's a, that's the best way I can put it. It was just poor. Um, but they've definitely come along here at the end of the season, and they've beaten some really, really good teams as of late. They've beaten Illinois. Uh, they, they've beaten Iowa. And, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely on a roll here to end the season. Aaron Henry has kind of picked up as of late. They're, they beat Michigan um, at home. So... This Michigan or Michigan State team has beaten some really good competition, like some Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship uh, quality competition. Uh, this UCLA team, not really impressed with them uh, offensively. I don't feel like, you know, Johnny Zhujang from Kentucky, I don't really like him as a point guard. He can shoot really well from the free throw line, like really well. I just don't really see him as an NCAA tournament guard. I don't feel like he's going to be able to outplay this Michigan State defense. Tom Izzo, constantly in his career, has always had had undersized, under-recruited guards, under-recruited players, and he's always gotten the most out of the guys that he recruits and he plays. So I feel like Michigan State's definitely going to win this game. I feel like this is just gonna they're just gonna tough it out. Um, now do they win another game after this? I don't know, but I do see them beating uh UCLA to, to start the first four tonight. And another thing that I like to do here, again, I always just look at the lines, I look at the numbers. There's this thing called you look at tournament teams that are underdogs that play a slow style of basketball. UCLA they play the game incredibly slow. They are 332nd in adjusted tempo, according to Kim Palm. That is just absolutely slow. But slow play, slow-paced dogs, so slow-paced underdogs in the NCAA tournament, 129, 83, and 11, a 61% win rate. That's based on the spread, which is UCLA catching two points. I think Michigan State probably wins this game, but I think it's close. I think UCLA keeps it. To within probably one point, one or two points. I think it's going to be a close game. 
this should be the game of the night in terms of legitimate implications. I would not be surprised if UCLA won this game because I think that Michigan State, as good as they are and as good of teams as they played, they've also been a little inconsistent. The early round exit in the Big Ten tournament has me wondering what Michigan State team we're going to get. Are we going to get the one that beat Michigan? Are we going to get the one that beat Ohio State? Or are we going to get the one that beat Illinois? Or are we going to get the one that, you know, had an early exit in the tournament. Lost to Northwestern. You know, we, we just don't really know what we're going to see. So real quick before we move on, another number that I want to point out, you know, talking about how Wichita State's just played better competition. You see it in their strength of schedule. You see it in the top 25 uh, wins Michigan, that they've had. Yeah, Michigan State for sure. Michigan State has played 11 top 25 teams. They've gone 5-6, and six, 58th in strength of schedule. Uh, UCLA actually has the 59th best strength of schedule, but they've only played one top 25 team and they lost. So again, just looking at the competition, you got to think about what Michigan State was doing in the Big Ten. They were playing some really, really good teams. That's just it's easily hands down best conference in college basketball this season. Not even close. Pac-12 might be the worst Power Six, might be the fifth best Power Six conference outside of the Big East. I don't really see a whole lot of competition coming out of that conference. You know, you've got USC and you've got Oregon. Uh, don't really see a whole lot of other teams. Then you have Colorado, which is what they ended up a fifth seed. Oregon State, Oregon State snuck in by Oregon winning State the Pac-12 by the I mean, skin of their teeth. Got snuck it. Snuck in by you know winning their conference tournament. I, I would, I could go as far as to say that I don't know if they are. They're pretty even with the Big East. I mean, because I'm thinking the Big East, I would rather take Villanova and UConn at this very moment over any of the Pac-12 teams that come to mind. I could get burned for that, but I think right now I'd probably just take one of those Big East teams over the Pac-12. Yeah, top to bottom, I feel like the conferences are pretty even, but whenever you look at the cream of the crop at the top, when they're healthy, I feel like the Big East is maybe just a little bit better. Um, But again, you know, I'm taking Michigan State in this game. Same thing with the Wichita State game. I just feel like they played better competition, and they're they're just going to tough it out. Uh, real quick here. You, you, you think they're going to out-tough Mick Cronin? I think they're going to. You can't out-tough Mick Cronin. That is just Mick Cronin's wheelhouse of being tough. I think Tom is. I think Tom Izzo, this is his month. This March that is, is his true. month. March is his month. The Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. Uh, is that have, real? That is an in-house thing. They only say it in uh, in their st- in their arena. That's like a thing that's going to be said over announcements, and people are supposed to refer the, refer to them as that when they're at the arena talking, to, you know, at the arena talking about Michigan State Spartans present, presented by Rocket Mortgage. Goodness gracious, man. I just don't see how you could do that. That's just insane. Are you, are you not ready for the Auburn Tiger sponsored by Rob's Ribs? Oh, I could actually get behind that. <laughs> I'm not mad at that, actually. I mean, that's, that's a pretty solid one. I mean, that's a pretty solid one that we got there. Real quick, before we go to break, let's get our thoughts real quick on these two 16 seed matchups. Appalachian State and Norfolk State. Appalachian State, a 59% uh, chance to win. Who you got? Uh, neither of those are states. Appalachian's not a state. Norfolk's not a state. I, just give me Appalachian State. I, I don't I don't care about this. Give me Appalachian State. I'll take them. They're three and a half point favorites. I think they cover that. I think they win. I don't know anything about either of these teams, but I'll go with Appalachian State. I'll take Appalachian State just simply based off of name recognition. They did That's beat University it, yeah. of Arkansas at Little Rock earlier uh, just a few a uh, few games ago. I feel like that's that's good enough to for me to say if they can beat them I feel like they can beat Norfolk State I have Appalachian State winning this game and then Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's again nobody's ever heard of Mount St. Mary's University the Mount I just love their logo it literally just says the Mount Mount. um I'll I'll go with Texas Southern I've again I've heard this name recognition alone they're 16 and 8 which looks a lot better to me than 12 and 10 uh Texas Southern's the underdog in here but uh I think I'll take them 
to pull off the massive upset, the biggest upset of the tournament, Texas Southern over the Mount. Yeah, I feel like I'm definitely going to take Texas Southern in, in this one. They've got a nine-game winning streak that they're riding into this conference tournament. Uh, Mount St. Mary's is 12-10 and 10 on the season. I just don't see them getting past Texas Southern. I feel like they might be the best 16 seed overall in this tournament. So I've got Texas Southern winning this game. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So we got we both agreed on the 16 seeds, disagreed on the two 11 seeds. That's interesting. It's interesting. Well, we got this is the best time of the year, though. I mean, this is this is basketball at its finest. You've got spring training ramping up, NFL free agency, NFL draft, NBA is winding down, about to go to the playoffs, NHL is about to do the same thing. So much great, so many great sports going on. And you know what else is great? Sticking around for the final segment of On the Line. We'll be right back after this break. You are on the line with Levi Fitzwater and Lance Daw, ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3. Check out the podcast wherever you can get your podcast. Follow me and Lance on Twitter, at Levi Fitzwater, at Lance Daw. We made it. End of the show. We, we came in here. It went by really quickly to me. Honestly, this may be the quickest show I've ever been like in, in, in person for or ever done. It's been, it's been fast. It went by really quick. Before we end up before we end up the show on a high note, let's check out what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The NCAA tournament may dominate televisions tonight, but if you aren't interested, Grey's Anatomy is going to have quite a few eyeballs as well. New episode at 8 on ABC. The real question is, how many NCAA tournament games will reach a final before Forrest Gump ends? The movie runs on AMC from 7 to 10. It's time. The NCAA tournament begins this evening with the first four games, starting the action at 410 on True TV. 16 seeds in Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's will open the tournament at 527 on TBS, 11 seeds Drake and Wichita State battle it out. Back on True TV at 7:40, 16 seeds again Appalachian State versus Norfolk State. Wrapping up the night at 9 on TBS, Blue Bloods find themselves in an unfamiliar position. UCLA and Michigan State square off. I'm not sure why you would do this with the NCAA tournament on, but if you want to watch the two NIT games, three seed NC State will take on two seed Davidson on ESPN at six, then at eight on ESPN, three seed SMU and two seed Boise State will play. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Loaded schedule of basketball coming on tonight. The NCAA tournament gets started off. You've also got the NIT, like Noah said, if you want to watch that. Nah. But why would you? Who cares, bro? We're going to wrap up today's show talking about the NCAA tournament because that is going to be starting tonight with the first four and then all the games. The first weekend starts tomorrow. Lance, what, what are your thoughts on the NCAA tournament as a whole? Like, What do you have going into this bracket? Anything that just sticks out to you? Well, in the past, whenever I've made my, my bracket picks, you know, I've normally tried to pick a few upsets here and there and try to like expect that the tournament's going to be just a wild, crazy event and there are going to be a lot of upsets or they're going to be a loyal Chicago going to the Final Four, just crazy stuff like that. But this year, I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's not, there's a lot of there's not a lot of parity, rather, in, in college basketball this season. I feel like the teams at the top are at the top, and I feel like the teams underneath them are just miles below them in terms of talent. I feel like the 4-1 seeds are definitely the best four teams in the country. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of arguing outside of that. The Big Ten is definitely the be- best conference in the country. Uh, you see that in teams like Ohio State, Illinois, and Michigan. I feel like they're going to make deep tournament runs. Very talented conference overall. I feel like picking chalk 
more than I ever have in this bracket. I feel like I'm gonna I'm picking three th- one seeds to make it to the final four, Ooh. and then in the East I have Texas winning that division of the bracket. I don't think Alabama makes it. I feel like Michigan without Isaiah Livers, I don't think that they can quite make it to the final four against a very athletic Texas team. They've got it all. They're very well rounded. They've got two great guards, uh, and, and Andrew Jones. And Matt, his last name is currently uh, evading me right now. But then they've got Kai Jones, and then they've got Greg Brown, who almost committed to Auburn. Very talented Texas squad. I see them making out of the, out of the East. But you know, the number one team in the country, I feel like, is going to win this one. I think Gonzaga will win the national championship, barring some wild injury, or we just see them get really, really slow. But I, I really have a hard time seeing this offense, who scores over ninety points a game, slowing down. I think this is this tournament. We're gonna see the we're gonna see the best teams in the country be the best teams in the country. I don't see a whole lot of upsets in this bracket, although I do have a couple uh, specifically in that West region where Gonzaga is playing. I think uh, the Gauchos UCSB is going to beat Creighton. I don't feel like shout Creighton, out Gauchos. Creighton's playing terrible offense right yeah. now. They just can't get anything to fall. And then you see Ohio playing Virginia. I feel like that's a really bad matchup for Virginia. Very talented offensive team, and Ohio can shoot the lights out of it. Average eighty three points a game. Jason Preston is a former or future NBA point guard. This Virginia team just ain't it for me. I mean, you've got guys like Sam Hauser that that are obviously very talented transfer from They Marquette. lost to San Francisco this year. <laughs> they lost to San Francisco this year. They've lost to teams that they had no business losing to. And I'm going to be honest, I feel like Virginia is held back by their guard play. Guys like Kiki Clark, I just don't I don't like Kiki Clark. And I've said that ever since he got on campus and where they were like this is the next guy. I'm like no. I just don't I don't see it. I just don't see it. I've seen tape. I don't see it. I don't think this Virginia team is going to perform fantastic under him, and I don't see them winning this game. I have the 12 and the 13 seeds advancing. Imagine in that. that Santa, you see Santa Barbara shout out Gauchos. Shout versus, out the Gauchos versus the Ohio Bobcats. The game that decides who goes to the Sweet 16. I'm gonna pick Ohio in that game because I just feel like again, Jason Preston is incredibly. He's talented. just too good. Yeah, you gotta watch this kid. He's fantastic. Um, I do have UConn beating Alabama. I, I, I talked myself into it. Sting actually kind of helped me talk myself into it. He's like, I, I think I'm going to pick Utah, UConn. I've been talking to some people. I've been listening. I was like, this UConn team is, is sneaky good. And You I don't just, like that Iona squad? I don't. You don't well, like Rick Pitino? Well, I think it's a bad... <laughs> Rick Pitino, very talented coach, but I feel like this is a bad <laughs> matchup in the terms that Rick Pitino and Iona play very, very, very slow. And Alabama is one of the fastest teams in the country, one of the best defensive teams in the country. They're long. They're athletic. They can shoot the lights out of it whenever they're hot. I just don't see Iona matching up well with this Alabama squad, but I do see them matching up poorly with UConn and a guy like James Boknight. Uh, I think I think UConn's going to win that game just barely. And then I see Texas beating Michigan and then Texas beating UConn uh, to advance to the Final Four. So those are my really big upsets. On the other side of the bracket, I actually just kind of picked chalk. It's pretty chalky. Yeah, I didn't really pick any upsets. I don't have a lot of... I don't have a lot of uh, chalk really love in this one. I think Baylor's overrated. They haven't been as good since they came back from COVID. I'm, I think Gonzaga's the best team in the country, but I haven't seen Gonzaga do it in the tournament and win. So that's this could be a uh, you know do it in the postseason for me type of moment. I do like Illinois. I think Illinois is the most complete team right now. A little bit iffy on Michigan. I like Georgia Tech. I know they have some COVID issues going on, and if that didn't hit them too hard. Jose Alvarado is a great senior guard. You got Moses right down low. Those guys, they can actually play. I wouldn't be surprised if either of those teams end up upsetting Illinois. And I think Illinois is an amazing team. But I think 
Illinois got really, really just a bad draw of who they had to play next. The same with Baylor. I mean, North Carolina, Wisconsin, they have been great this year, but uh, it's still North Carolina and Wisconsin with the pedigree that they have and the athletes they have. This has been this has been the hardest one for me to fill out. You've made a great point about Baylor, and I do want to talk about this for a second before we get out. If you watched Baylor play in the Big Ten uh, Championship against Kansas State, or I'm sorry, just the tournament, rather. If you watch them play Kansas State, you realize that this team is beatable and that they definitely have some issues. And you're right, ever since they got back from COVID, they definitely have struggled in certain aspects of the game. And then you match up with a team like Carolina, who's very big down low and likes to run the floor. I can definitely see this North Carolina team giving this Baylor team issues. I can see them beating them. Uh, I don't see Wisconsin getting past North Carolina. I don't either. I think North Carolina is the sleeper team in this entire bracket to potentially make the Elite Eight or the Final Four uh, if they can get past Baylor. Now, again, Baylor, very, very talented team. Um, but makes me upset. It makes you upset. I understand. The Dukies, you got to go with them. That was the easy... Like I don't know how to pick a bracket this year. It's what's taking me so long because I just fill in Duke all the way through and then fill in everything else around it. And I couldn't do that this year. It's well, sad. I mean, I still did, but it's going to be wrong. Illinois, I feel like, is going to match up in the national championship with Gonzaga. Incredibly talented. I just don't see the one seeds having a whole lot of trouble in this bracket. I agree with that. Great episode today of On the Line. Thank you guys for listening. Check out The Drive with Bill Cameron after this. We will see you guys tomorrow. Noah will be back as well.